I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is author Devorah Zach. Her new book is The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, How the Logical and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side. Can people with fundamentally different ways of making sense of and engaging with the world work together? Dvorak says the best use of our energy is to focus on our own reactions and perceptions rather than try to fix other people. She helps readers learn where they are on the thinker, cactus, feeler, snowflake spectrum by including real-life scenarios that show how to nurture one's nature while successfully connecting with those on the other side. Zach fearlessly and entertainingly dispels myths, squashes stereotypes, and transforms perceived liabilities into strengths. She's a Washington Post bestselling author, global keynote speaker, and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, CNN, and and NSNBC, Forbes, and many others. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Devorah. It's a pleasure to be here with you. The cactus uh, and the snowflake. Of course, I'm trying to decide which I am or whether I'm a combination of both, as you say you can be. So my first question is, which, what are you? Are you a cactus or a snowflake or a combination? And how does well, that work? Well, I'm a combination, but I'm on the snowflake side. So it, just to make sure the listeners understand the distinction, the cactus leads with the head and the snowflake leads with their heart. So the three main distinctions are that a cactus values logic very highly, whereas a snowflake's key value is sensitivity. Uh, and then to make decisions, cactus is more analytical, uses reason, whereas a snowflake is uh, more empathetic and reflects decisions based on feelings. And then the third difference, primary difference, is that the cactus is more direct in conversations, whereas a snowflake uh, is more diplomatic. So with that in mind... Uh, we have a continuum, as you, as you alluded to, that, that it, most, most people are not 100% one or the other. Uh, we are, we're somewhere along the middle, most of us. Some people are what I call off-the-chart cacti and snowflakes. But um, So to get back to your question, now that I've kind of laid a little bit of the groundwork, I'm more of a snowflake, but I'm, I'm kind of in the middle of the spectrum. Yeah, because I would expect, given what you do, um, you know, in, in business and... I would think that you would be more of a cactus rather than a snowflake because uh, it doesn't seem to fit into the business scenario or, or, as I said, or the kind of work that, that I see you doing. But apparently that's not true. So you can have snowflakes in business. Oh, absolutely. And it's also what your emphasis is in, in the workplace. For example, I, I, I focus on relationships and, and uh, team development and helping people connect with each other. Um, so that that was a little bit of a snowflake emphasis. Um, however, more sig- significantly is to keep in mind that there's a difference between behavior and preferences. So I, I could maybe behave at times like a cactus because that's important in terms of um, helping people be more effective at work, uh, but that doesn't change my innate preference. So when when we may observe someone and say, oh, this person is is one or the other, we also want to keep in mind that um, there's something I call flexing your style, that you can be a snowflake or cactus and flex your style to accommodate a situation to be, you know, to, to build rapport or to um, emphasize stronger relationships or to connect with other people. So um, that's just a, something to keep in mind. 
So if you're on either side of the spectrum, let's say you described yourself as being somewhat in the middle, but let's say you were on what you know you're on either side, which it seems to be if you put it in the context of what's happening today in our culture, whether it's uh, how what are the benefits of being on either side and not being in the middle, or what are the challenges, I should say? Right. So like I, I, I like to say, we, both sides have their superpowers. So it's not that one's better than the other. It's that um, they each have, as, as you mentioned, different strengths and also different challenges. So some of the strengths of a snowflake is that they're very good at um, providing recognition for people and creating harmony and displaying appreciation. The um, cactus is good at uh, focusing on facts and being pragmatic and uh, impartial in their relationships. And then some of the challenges, uh, they both have challenges with praise, but different ways. So it, it, the cactus doesn't naturally just be very effusive and praise people for what they're doing at work or in other scenarios. Uh, and so sometimes they can work on uh, focusing on giving more praise, specific concrete feedback, because it matters to people who they might work with or live with. And the snowflake has kind of the opposite challenge, which is especially a strongly affiliated snowflake will be um, give praise so effusively and so often that it can dissipate the, the impact of it. <laughs> so it's kind of a cruel twist of fate because uh, the, the worst thing you could probably say to a snowflake is, is that they are, you know, not being sincere or earnest because they're, they really value that, that type of, that aspect of their personality. But when they give too much praise all the time, then it, the, the impact is lessened. So give us an example. example. Give give us a case study because, I mean, this obviously, this is what you do every day. Uh, Real real examples, I guess, of what you've had to confront in in your work with people who, and to help them to be able to get along so that they can make good decisions and be productive. Well, the first thing is, the, the first step is to understand where you are, you yourself are on the continuum. And in the book, um, there's a, Cax Lake assessment so people can take a self-assessment and find out where they are on the continuum. So first is to understand yourself. Next is to um, accept <laughs> what your natural temperament is and then work with rather than fight against your natural temperament. So to turn things that you, whether you're a cactus or a snowflake, that you may originally perceive to be liabilities in your relationships or in your workplace, that you can turn them into your strengths. And that's by working with who you are and, and accepting who you are and then going from there. The second step is to k- kind of meet other people where they're at. We can't expect other people to meet us where we're at because most people just aren't that self-aware or, or able to do that. So to take the responsibility for meet, helping build rapport with others. And the way to do that is to, I call it the big two. One is the first part of the big two is to observe, observe what other matters to other people what I call personally relevant benefits to people around you and to, to match their style. So to pick up on the subtle cues that people are sending out all the time that we miss because we're distracted, but if we can discipline ourselves to really focus on what people are conveying, we can get an idea of whether they might be a cactus or a snowflake. Okay, so I want to stop you there because really... I want to know specifically what would be some of those subtle cues that we would look for in a cactus. So here's one. Or right, in a snowflake, right. yeah. So, so there's 
language is one of them. So it just so happens that cacti tend to use the word think more often, whereas snowflakes tend to use the word feel more often. So if you tune in, in English, they're largely interchangeable. So what did you think of that interview? Well, I felt, I thought it was really informative. Yeah, I felt like I got to know myself better. So just that kind of language, if you start to pick up on those subtle uses of think, thinking and feeling language, and then to build what I call language dexterity yourself. So let's say we're meeting, just meeting each other for the first time and you start noticing that I'm using the word feel and feelings a lot, then to, to match that, to be de- de- have, as I said, language dexterity, to be flexible in how you communicate with me and to use more feeling language as well because that builds rapport. So that's an, a concrete example. So that's the observe, observing nonverbals, observing words, observing what, what people talk about, the language they use. And then the second part of the big two is a very, it's overlooked and deceptively simple. And it's to ask, to ask people what matters most to them, to ask people how they like to receive feedback, to ask people what is important. And then we'll learn a lot more about where they're at and then meet them where they're at. So um, one, one thing I have to confess is that I'm not a big fan of the golden rule, which is to treat others how we want to be treated. Because when we treat others how we want to be treated, about half the time we're going to fall short because if I, the cacti and snowflakes want to be treated differently. So do you want like a concrete example of that? Yes. <laughs> I, okay, so this is what I call the platinum rule, and it's treating others how they want to be treated. So let's say that you're working, you work with a, someone who you know is a colleague, not a close friend, but just a, a colleague that you've worked with for a few years. And he goes to, he, dis, he sort of disappears on a personal leave for three months and you, you aren't sure why. I and mean, no one really knows why. And then he comes back, just reappears in a staff meeting one day. And let's say you are a snowflake and you believe, you, you espouse the, the golden rule to treat other people how you want to be treated. So a snowflake might say to him, oh, my gosh, welcome back. We missed you so much. What's wrong? Is everything okay? If you need anything, let me know because we've been so worried about you. So that might be how a snowflake, you would show respect to a snowflake by showing that you really care about them and you miss them and you're concerned about them. But if that person's a cactus, that's going to do the opposite of the intended effect. It's going to make him feel self-conscious or upset or feel like it was inappropriate. And so we, in an effort to build rapport, it actually does the opposite and it makes him withdraw. So if instead you flex your style and use the platinum rule, which is treating him how you think he might want to be treated, and you might not always get it right, but um, the more work you put into it, the more awareness you put into the connections with people and their cues, uh, the better you'll get at it. And so you might say, he walks back in or he pops, zooms back into the staff meeting and, uh, and there you are with him and if you want to treat them how you think a cactus might want to be treated, you would say, hey, how you doing? And that would be okay with him. Which, so that's different versions of how people want to be treated and meeting them where they're at. As opposed that's to a great example like, because I have to say, when you were talking about the him coming back and uh, treating him like a snowflake, and uh, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a snowflake, but boy, that I'm maybe more in the middle, but maybe towards the cactus. Uh, and I, that would make me so angry and feel invasive. I mean, it really, I, I, 
if someone, how are you? We cared about, you know, well, no, you didn't really care about me. I'm a colleague. I'm not your best friend. All of those things. It would really turn me off. Great example. I like that. And the intention is, is good. It's I mean, good, people yeah. Intend, right, but it's just a matter of, of meeting people where they're at. Another example is giving feedback to someone. So if you're giving feedback to someone who's a snowflake, they, you might say, hey, you know, we started off by saying, we really appreciate everything you do, and it's, you know, you put your all into your work, and, um, oh, that's a nice sweater you have on. You know, it looks really good. And so sort of just like making chit-chat at the beginning to ease into the feedback, the real feedback. And a snowflake, that might work okay, but a cactus, it would com- be completely annoying. They'd be like, and I- I've seen this many times, so cut to the chase, it's a waste of my time, like, they start zoning out and feeling frustrated. So for a cactus if, who's getting feedback, you might start off by saying, okay, so I've been thinking about your work over the past six months, and I think there's a few areas that we could really improve upon. Uh, let's go from there. And the cactus, and when I, give, when I give feedback to a cactus, they literally light up when they get feedback that way. <laughs> like, great, let's get down to it. <laughs> they burst into, but but if you start off with this like touchy feely stuff with a cactus, then they zone out and feel like you're wasting their time. Yeah, it, it's just not going to work. What about can we put it in the context also now of what what's happening in in Congress, for instance? We have the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't know if that's cactus and snowflakes or not, but they may both that may fit into those categories. How do you see what's happening, you know, in in Congress, and how can you change that? Okay, so <laughs> I think that it, it'd be hard to generalize that one party is all one or the other, yeah. and I, I certainly couldn't say it without knowing more about each of their personalities. So but they've been accused of that. I would say they, whether it's true or not, it's, uh, you know, Democrats are touchy-feely and they're not concerned with finance and uh, you can go on and on. Not necessarily that it's true, but that's the perception. So I'm just, let's talk about right. that. Right. I've yeah. actually heard both both parties being referred to as, as either one of these personality styles. So I think that it's also how you interpret the meaning of these two um, personality styles. At two aspects of personality, cactus and snowflake, which, by the way, I should mention, is based in um, Jung's yeah. personality typology, is the root, the roots of it. And we just renamed it cactus and snowflake because it was more visceral and memorable and kind of creates more of a picture for people. So, um, so I'm not sure. I'm not an expert on the p- political side of things. So I, I generally what I say... Um, is that we should just focus on each individual focus on themselves. And I think you mentioned that in the introduction, that uh, it's easy to think, you know, I, I can fix other people or I, hopefully I can change other people's uh, political style or, or personality style. Um, but that's kind of like hitting our head against the wall because uh, we're, it's, we can't directly change anyone else. Or, and so it's, it can be really frustrating to try and do that. So instead, what I encourage people to do is to focus on their particular realm of influence, uh, their own thoughts, words, and actions, what they think, what they say, and what they do, and to go from there uh, as opposed to thinking that we, other people really are wrong and need to change. It's interesting because when people uh, say, oh, we're all basically the same, they can sometimes be the least tolerant people. 
Because if I think we're all the same inside, then if you respond to an experience differently from me, I think that you're wrong, that you, that something, something's wrong with you. But if I understand that people are really fundamentally different in how they process the world, then I can approach you with like, curiosity and compassion instead of judgment. Know thyself. That just keeps, as you're talking, that's all I can think about is you have to know yourself. You really have to, That that's like, I mean, it's number one, but it's like the big number one. Because if you can't do that, then you really can't get to the second step or third steps that you've been talking, that you've been describing, right? You have to know yourself. That's right. That's right. And and then to understand that what's a big deal to me, it might be a non, I call it a non-event, a non-event to you. So, uh there's a little acronym that I think that I introduced in this book that I think is very useful. It's NAY, N-A-Y, and it stands for not about you. Because often we might think someone will do something or say something or not do something, and we think that it's it's a matter of offense or that they uh, are being looking down at us or they're um, judging us. And, in fact, more often than not, what other people are, are going through and talking about and doing is not about us. So that's a good reminder, I think. And then that ties into this concept that I mentioned of the non-event, that um, something I might feel slighted or I might feel offended, and literally nothing happened in, maybe in your experience of the same situation. If I, I can give a work example and a home example if you want. Yes. Um, so a work example is, let's say you're in an elevator with someone going to a, a higher floor and that person is more senior than you and maybe someone that you are, you know, interested in building rapport with. And they walk in looking at their papers, uh, don't acknowledge you, don't speak to you, and then walk out of the elevator. So for you, that might be a slight that they, they ignored you, that they think they're better than you, that they don't like you or fill in the blanks. But for them, it might have been that they're getting ready for presentation, focusing on their notes, literally didn't even notice who was in the elevator with them, just kind of lost in thought. So for one person, what might be a really upsetting encounter, the other person, nothing happened. Like nothing was processed in their brain. Like they don't even know anything occurred. So that's the cause of a lot of strife and conflict between people, even, you know, cactus to cactus or snowflake to snowflake. But it's because we have different experiences of reality. So that's a, a, a work example. So I have a fun home example that a lot of people can relate to. And there's a section in the book just about home, home life and personal life. It's not just about work. And let's say that you're sitting on the couch after a long day of work and, uh, and someone you live with, a significant other or a family member, whoever you live with, walks by on the phone and then walks through the room and walks out. And so if you ask the person who is waiting to have this, you know, discussion about the day and to connect with them, do you think, why, are they mad at me? Why couldn't they at least have waved or smiled or put the other person on hold and said hi to me? And so I feel really upset about the way that I was treated. And then the person who walks through on the phone, if I say, what happened to, in your mind? Like, it's like, what kind of question is that? I, I was talking on the phone. Not, nothing happened. <laughs> so this is a cause for a lot of disconnects. But once we understand it, it can be a source of a lot of humor, too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great example because I think that happens between partners or whoever you're close to and living with 
I think that happens all the time. And those are big issues mm-hmm. that actually come up in family therapy and counseling. Uh, it, you know, the meaning of the event is so different for each one, as, you know, just as you described it. Uh, I think another example I can give is uh, siblings. I have uh, si- uh, two brothers. And when we're talking about what mom and dad did or didn't do when we were young, we have a totally different perception of the same event, uh, uh, different feelings about the same event because we're different people. And what it meant to me is very different than what it meant to my brother. And my, I always thought, oh, you know, it's, it must have meant the same thing to him as it did to me. Not, not true. Um, so uh, that comes up all the time, like you said, at work and in personal experiences. Uh, what's the most difficult thing that you've had to confront during your career with people that, uh, that you deal with? On, you can talk about family or business. The most difficult yeah, the There's most. <laughs> <laughs> there are thousands. You have two hours. <laughs> yeah. And plus you have to do um, it in two minutes. So, okay, go ahead. So, I, I, I can't say this is the most difficult, but I can yeah. say this is something that came into my head as something challenging for me in, in work. Uh, that's in delivery of, there's something called 360-degree feedback. And it's when you collect feedback on... Uh, an individual from people, it's like imagine a circle. Instead of just getting feedback from your supervisor, you get feedback from their peers, feedback from their direct reports, from clients, uh, and, and more see people they report to, and you get a lot of data about how, how they're perceived. And, uh, and, it's all, and the people give feedback anonymously, and it's consolidated. So it's really tough to give that, to coach them through this feedback because it can be very revealing and, and very different from their own self-perceptions. So the challenge with the, giving it to this feedback to a snowflake is that it'll be too much for them and they'll shut down. And, uh, and so it's just sort of softening the blow, but, you know, while also giving them the information that's necessary to help them be more effective in their relationships and their career. The challenge when you're giving feedback to a cactus is, over softening the blow. So you might have a cactus who has a lot of feedback about things to improve on and they have such a tough exterior that they can just say, oh, that's not so bad. Yeah, okay, and like not process it enough. So finding that, it's kind of like a tightrope walk, finding that happy medium of how to give feedback that's kind of intense to people uh, in a way that they can hear and that they don't brush off but they also don't shut down. So that's always a big challenge. But when done well, it can be very, very effective way to improve uh, communication and relationship. Great example. Great, uh, good one to leave us with too because good, uh, let's give us a, as I said uh, before the show, I guess, give us a website and, or websites we can go to to uh, more information about this book and other uh, books that you have, other, other of your books and also the work that you're doing, how we can tune into that. So my, you can find the book, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, uh, at anywhere books are sold, including Amazon, online, uh, Hudson News, and a lot of people are traveling, and the airport bookstores are featuring it. That, so you can get it in independent bookstores. So that's either vert, it's available as an e-book, as an audio book, and as a paperback. 
and has tons of self-assessments and activities in it, so it's a lot of fun to, to read. And you can also find out more about the book, along with a free sample, uh, in, my, in the work that I do at my company website, myonlyconnect.com, myonlyconnect.com. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Devorah Zach, The Cactus and Snowflake at Work, How the Logical and Sensitive Can Thrive Side by Side. That's the challenge. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 